Hello, um, this is uh, Ethan Rothstein here with Timothy Custer. And uh, our topics for our presentations were mine was international affairs and Timothy's was on our social media and creativity. And I went into like a deep dive of uh, a musician called Joji. Mm -hmm. And so, at least on the surface, the first thing that came to me, Timothy, when thinking about international affairs and create and social media, specifically how social media and polarization has affected like the global political climate. I don't know, have you, have you seen um, The Social Dilemma? No, I have not, what is that? But so it's, it's, it's a documentary, it's pretty much about just kind of how polarization in social media and how big tech companies are using data and it's kind of creating a lot of unrest in a lot of Western countries, kind of leading to a lot of um, more polarization and kind of, um, how do I put this? Polarization is kind of a animosity towards like the other side of the aisle in many Western countries. And I was just wondering if you found anything in your research about kind of how like the new age of social media and how like big data and big tech are kind of affecting world politics, I guess. Uh, funny enough, I actually have, I read a book exactly on big data. Um, that's what the, the name of the book was. Yeah. And uh, it went to like a lot of examples of how uh, social media platforms in general are actually um, causing more of that polarity. So for example, TikTok is like a, is a major one nowadays. And this wasn't in the book. This is an example I found in the Wall Street Journal, actually. Um, they did a survey and they took uh, a bunch of accounts. I forget the exact number. It was like a hundred or so accounts that were labeled as children. Mm -hmm. And um, they wanted to see what showed up on the For You page after they just scrolled manually. Just instead of the scroll, didn't like anything, yeah. just scrolled. And it found that it was promoting uh, guns, weed, or like, like the use of weed and, and uh, drugs, uh, sex and alcohol, mm -hmm. to these, these accounts labeled as children. So they were like, oh wow, our actual children are gonna be seeing this. Which I think on the surface, it might not sound as bad as it, as it is, but I think them growing up in that climate is definitely leading to more polarizing thing, or like a polarizing um, like opinion. It's it's not. I feel like it's not even polarization. I feel like it's just the motives. The motivation of the company is to make money. It's a business, so they yeah. want to keep you hooked in. They're gonna do whatever hooks you in the most. Until like a young kid, the thing that like is cool to them, it's you know, it's drugs, it's weed, it's whatever. It's what the older kids are doing. Yeah, exactly. And so I think just you can apply that generally, like whatever the the motivations or the incentives that big data companies have like Twitter, TikTok, all that, it doesn't necessarily, their interests don't really align with yours. Like their goal is to keep you addicted, to keep you scrolling, to get that next like dopamine hit as soon as you like swipe up. And so I just think in general, like it's not really beneficial to anybody on the app, much less yeah. children. Except for the people that own it. Yeah. Actually okay. on that, uh, Twitter is another big topic that was in the book. Oh, yeah. And um, they do directly polarize. Now, now that Elon Musk bought it, it's he's claiming it's not going to be like that. Mm -hmm. But they like they are known for banning or just completely uh, getting rid of like terms that the, the right uses because yeah. it's like an alt-left yeah. platform. Yeah. And it's like the, the banning of Donald Trump. Uh -huh. A lot of people were against that because they're like, okay, sure, he did some wrong things, but how can you ban one of the biggest like Republican leaders of like the current, it's like, definitely field. a slippery slope to just, yeah. like, to start just banning people just based off of just based off of any pretense, but just banning people in general is definitely a slippery slope. Yeah, because if it's if it's supposed to be free speech, then it becomes who moderates, like what becomes like hate speech. Wow, how do you how do you filter for that? Who is filtering for that? Like what side? I know these for me, like especially like if I 
I've noticed if I like interact with some some like thing on Twitter, anything political at all, no matter what side it is, I'll start getting more and more just like some of the most outrageous takes I'll see in the yeah. world on Twitter, just because I interacted with something that was affiliated with like or mildly like yeah yeah exactly yeah it's, it's yeah it's some good. some of the stuff I see like is just like the most outrageous stuff and it has like thousands and thousands of yeah. like like likes and retweets but I don't know, I just find it funny no it is funny uh a little off topic kind of reminds me of uh something else I wrote about in a research paper um about how like Instagram for example if you post like nudity they will instantly ban you they have like yeah. an automated system where if they see that it's you're gone unless you're an influencer or you have that verification tick, uh, I use the example of Snoop Dogg, actually, because I remember seeing it in my feed. He posted this picture of a just a, a woman with a, without a shirt on. Her, her boobs were just hanging mm-hmm. out, and he captioned it, baloney titties. <laughs> and I, I found it hilarious, because if anyone else would have done that, they'd have been, not even just had a strike, they'd have been banned immediately. Snoop but Snoop Dogg gets yeah. away with it, because he has a verification tick. Um, it actually gives them something called a shield. That's what it's called, really? and they can post or do whatever they want compared to just the regular like accounts, which makes a little bit of sense because they have more credibility. They have like, like if they post something too bad, it falls back on them. But at the same time, how are you going to allow someone to say or do something but not everyone else? Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it kind of actively encourages it, but it also is like you can't do that. It just, it just goes back to the need for. Just kind of standards, I feel like. Yeah. I think coming, bringing the bringing it full circle back to international affairs and policy making for lawmakers and government. It's just how does. I think that'll be an important question of how to, how to regulate social media, how to regulate free speech platforms, because it used to be, and we're almost out of time here, but it used to be kind of the place for like social discussion would happen in like the town square, like back a hundred years ago, or like yeah. a newspaper, and that's how people would communicate with each other. But now the kind of town hall forum discussion with everybody happens online and it happens at such a large scale. And I think it's such a new problem that I think policymakers and governments around the world are going to have to deal with that in the next coming years. And I don't, I don't necessarily have a solution. I know right some now. governments are starting to ban some bigger social media like TikTok yeah. and Instagram are completely banned in a lot of European countries. Uh-huh. I have a feeling it's going to get like that. Maybe not complete ban, maybe more like a, a more detailed like like set of rules from mm-hmm. the government what we can and can't do yeah but yeah i think that'll that's good uh brain that's a good thought to leave you with here on uh, our podcast but as thank you as uh timothy and ethan talking about international affairs and social media